You're listening to Not to Self Diaries, the podcast for millennial Christians. The goal of this podcast is to remind you of who you are, whose you are, and what God can do in your life. I'm your host, Alicia Ward. Thank you so much for tuning in to another session of Note to Self Diaries. Today, I'm going to be talking about or sharing with you what you didn't know about temptation. Now, to this day, to this very day, we are still blaming Eve and giving her the side eye for biting that apple and giving it to Adam. Because we're thinking of all the fruits God told her she could have eaten and of all the trees she could have selected she chose to eat the fruit from the tree that was forbidden, putting all of us in problems. And we didn't even do anything. Thanks, Eve. Thank you very much. But you see, that's the thing about temptation. You'd think that because no one knows what you're doing behind the scenes, that it isn't going to affect anyone. But that's until we're exposed. How does that saying go again? What's done in the dark must come to light. Even if it isn't a crowd that knows what you did or knows what we did, our actions will affect someone. And the consequences sometimes are so great that we feel as though we'll never be able to shake off those feelings of guilt and regret. For example, think about the guy who told himself he wouldn't get caught stealing, only to get caught. And now his family is not only embarrassed, but they have to deal with the backlash of what he did. All because he couldn't resist the temptation to not take what wasn't his. Or think about the girl who's been seeing the bad boy on the sly, sneaking out the house, lying about where she's been, only for her mom to get a phone call from the hospital. One night of fun quickly turned into a night of sorrow for her and those close to her. So in today's session of Notice Self Diaries, I'm going to show you how the devil uses our fears and our desires to entice us into doing things we know we shouldn't do. And I'm also going to share with you what we should do when we're faced with temptation. So let's get into it. I'm going to walk us through Genesis 3, 1 to 24 from both the Amplified and the Good News Bible. Uh, When you're able to, if you want, you can read this story for yourself. But first things first, the devil is slick. The story of Adam and Eve's fall starts by telling us in Genesis 3, 1, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, that the devil is crafty, he is subtle, and he is skilled in deceit. As in, he's a pro at this. Right away, that says we're no match for the enemy. And I think that's where the problem begins. We tell ourselves that we can handle certain temptations. We tell ourselves, you know what, I got this. We say things like, I'll never do certain things because I'm focused on my goals, okay? Mind you, I do agree that there's some things we will not do as easily as we would others. For example, some people can't see themselves stealing. Some people can't see themselves getting out of character and cussing somebody out in public. There are certain things that we do have a grip on. But nevertheless, when our back is against the wall, the devil knows exactly what buttons to push to get us to succumb to his whispers. He actually lays in wait for us, anticipating the perfect opportunity to catch us slipping. 
It says so right there in 1 Peter 5, 8. We're cautioned to be alert, be on watch, because our enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So whereas you might think you're good in this area because it's so not like you, the devil is like, okay, cool. I might not be able to catch you slipping here, but I certainly catch you over there. How does he do that? He does that by using our fears and our desires against us. Let me explain further. When the enemy, what the enemy does is he takes our fears and he takes our desires and he uses them to lure us down a path we know we shouldn't take and into situations that will inevitably be detrimental for us. Eve feared the thought of dying for eating the forbidden fruit, but she also had a desire to be wise and know all things. So the enemy actually played to those two opposing emotions of curiosity and fearfulness. He first quieted her fear by appealing to her desire to be wise, and he did that by engaging in dialogue with her to see where her head was at. And this started in verse 1 going down to verse 6. He said, are you sure God told you not to eat the fruit from the tree in the garden? And she was like, come on, of course I can eat the fruit from the tree in the garden. I just can't eat from the tree in the middle. Duh. If I eat any fruit from that tree, I'm going to die. This was the opportunity the enemy wanted. He wanted her to identify her fear. So he can now dispel it with a twisted truth. This is what the enemy will do sometimes. He will take your desire for something and cause you to question why you can't have it or why you don't have it right now. And so this back and forth in our minds will eventually lead to impatience and annoyance for us not having that thing. And that's when we'll decide to take matters into our own hands instead of going to God. How would the devil know what buttons to push if the desire wasn't there to begin with? Think about it. He knows what we want. He knows our thoughts. He knows the thoughts that consume us. So to get his way and to get us to stray away from God and indulge in the forbidden, he applies, he amplifies our desires by first quieting our fears. You know what we call that? We call that justifying. For example, and I'm sure the ladies can agree with this one to some extent. Let's say your desire is to get married, right? And that desire is amplified even more when you're scrolling on Facebook or you're scrolling through Instagram and you see yet another friend or another colleague just tied the knot. Then you meet somebody. They possess all amazing qualities, qualities fitting of a potential husband, at least according to you, right? But there's the catch. He or she is not a man or woman of God, right? Church, what's that? Read the Bible, <laughs> come again. God, no, nah, I'm good. Mm -mm. You know within yourself that you have to let this go because God does not approve. This person does not identify with the God you serve. So right away, you're going to have a challenge relating to them about certain things, having conversations about certain things. So now in comes the devil, bopping and cruising, whispering things like, are you sure 
God doesn't want you to pursue this relationship. I mean, suppose he wants you to be the one to turn this person's life around. What if you're the one God wants to use to get them closer to him? Or he might whisper, they can change, you know. Mm -hmm. They can change. If you keep talking to them about God and if you invite them to church a couple of times, they'll turn around. If that doesn't work, he might say, you're really going to let this one go? I mean, look at how they treat you. Look at how they make you feel. Where are you going to get that again, especially since the pickings are so slim? With all those questions beginning to float around in our minds, we start to justify why we should pursue this ungodly relationship. And the more we think about it, the more the enemy actually feeds us reasons why we should. And before we know it, we're entangled with someone not selected for us by God. And taking it a step further, we now become physically involved with the person. And you know, once sex has entered the chat, that's it, game over. Walking away becomes hard and the guilt gets heavier. Remember session 22 of Notice Self Diaries, guilt is heavy. If you haven't listened to that one, I encourage you to when you get a chance. This is what the enemy does. He amplifies our desires and he entices us to justify what we know is wrong just so we can satisfy those desires. And the thing is, the end result is often disappointing God, carrying around a lot of guilt and shame for taking a turn we know we should have avoided and then having to deal with the consequences of our actions. The enemy knows you just like God knows you. So with that, with that knowledge, he knows exactly how to play you. Going back to Eve, it was a natural desire for her to want to be wise. There was nothing wrong with that. But the method of acquiring that wisdom could have been different. Back then, she had the privilege to see and touch and directly communicate with Jesus. She could have expressed her fear to him and voiced her curiosities, but she didn't. She had a whole conversation with the enemy instead. When the person that she should have been talking to was God. This is what happens when we don't go to God first. With our desires, our fears, our questions, our worries, etc. We leave the door wide open for the enemy to stroll in and present us with tempting but otherwise destructive options. God encourages us to cast our cares on him because he cares. He cares about the fact that you want companionship. He cares about the fact that you want money. He cares about the fact that you want a better life. He cares about every aspect of our life, even the intimate parts. The parts that we don't share with our friends because we fear being judged or we fear being misunderstood. The thing is, though, God also knows how cunning the devil can be, which is why he wants us to come and talk to him first before desperation puts us in a much worse position. And that's what happened to Eve. Eve became desperate. She was desperate to know the difference between good and evil. She was desperate to become wise because of what the enemy was whispering in her, in her ear and what she allowed to soak into her spirit, right? And the other thing that was leading her on to were the justifications that she concocted from the questions that the enemy asked in order to arouse her desire even more. You see the pattern? Not only did her decision affect her, 
but it also affected her relationship with Adam, who was quick to throw her under the bus. When God asked him, why did you eat the fruit? Adam was like, it's the woman you gave me that made me eat it, right? He wasted no time throwing Eve under the bus. Talk about the influence of a woman. But then Eve's disobedience also affected her relationship with God. And that is what happens to us too. When we say yes to what we should say no to, we, put, we actually put a wedge between ourselves and God with the guilt that we feel for doing what we know we shouldn't do. To this day, we still blame Eve for a lot of what's happening in the world. Do you know how deep that shame is? If she was alive for today, do you know how people would scorn her and not even want to be associated with her because of that one thing that she did that she didn't stop to think how it would affect those around her how it would affect her her relationship with adam how it would affect her relationship with god going back to my earlier example imagine getting married to the person that i mentioned earlier the one who possessed all the right traits but they just wasn't chosen for us by god Imagine getting married to that person only to find out they either have a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction, they're abusive, they're poor at money management, so you're now living in debt up to your neck. Or imagine feeling trapped or unhappy because the affection and the compassion that they showed you in the early part of the relationship to get you is now dead, absolutely dead. So I'm not saying that Couples don't have their highs and lows and stuff like that. But tell me if you've never felt in your gut that you shouldn't be with someone, but you pursued the relationship anyway, only to get the worst part of that person. Or you end up getting hurt in ways you could have never predicted. That's what temptation does. It appeals to our need for immediate, gratif immediate gratification, only for us to find ourselves wanting in the long run and then regretting the choices that we made. There is a price for disobedience. There is an ugly side to giving into the wrong temptations. And people don't talk about it because it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing when you're exposed. It's embarrassing when the things that you thought you were doing in private just showed itself publicly. I think about, and this is a common example all the time, I think about uh, a young woman who goes to church every Sunday praising God, hallelujah. But then she's involved with someone behind the scenes and that relationship involves physical intimacy. And then she gets pregnant. She still goes to church and stuff like that, but then she can't really hold her, hold her head high because she feels the judgment. She feels people passing negative comments. She can hear the whispers. That's a perfect example of doing something privately, but then being exposed of it publicly. And I can go on and on about that. But the point I'm trying to make is sometimes what's good for our senses isn't always good for our soul. So whatever desire you have and whatever fears are attached with that desire, you can talk to God about it. Let's think about the person who wants to have more money. They want to live a better life. But the job that they currently have is not allowing them to, to live the life that they want. They're barely meeting their needs. And then that person is tempted to steal or that person is tempted to get involved in illegal doings. Instead of going to God, telling God, God, 
I want more money because I, I, I'm barely making it. We have to be honest with God. We have to be as open as we possibly can because one, he understands what we're experiencing. Two, he's not going to judge us. And then three, he doesn't want our desires to be the end of us. So he's going to show us how to control it or how to channel it in the right way. So we end up getting what we want, but without losing everything in the process. There's always a right way and a wrong way to acquire something. And sometimes we don't want to take the right way because we say, this is going to take too long. I want this now. Versus the easy way or the wrong way. And that's where the devil comes in whispering, you know, just just sell the liquor drugs, no man. Just, yeah, just, just do what I have to do. And then you'll get the money, you'll get it faster. And so now we have this internal conflict within us. That whole devil and angel thing, it's very much real. On one side, you, you're hearing don't do that. Continue to work hard. Look for another job if you have to. Cut back on certain things. Save more and you'll eventually get to where you want to be. Versus the devil saying, just, just do it half a do, man. Nobody's going to find out. But trust me when I say, what we do in secret, the negative things always has a way of showing itself and exposing us. So again, when you find yourself having this tug of war between right and wrong, having this tug of war between listening to what the devil is telling you to do versus what you feel in your heart God is telling you to do, talk to him about it. Go to him and give it to him plain as day. God, this is beating me up. I am struggling with this. If you're not honest with God, you're going to continue to have that tug of war. And trust me, if you think you're a match for the enemy, let me be the one to tell you, you're going to lose. If, As I mentioned earlier, if he doesn't catch you one way, he's going to catch you another way. We can't afford to leave room for the enemy to come whispering in our ears, telling us, do this, do that, when we know that it's wrong. We have to, again, talk to God about what, what we're feeling and talk to him as often as you want to. That's, a, that's one of the things I, I will say that I love about God. You know, you have some friends, you talk to them one time about something that you're dealing with. You might be able to talk to them two times, maybe three times. But then after four or five times, depending on how heavy that situation is for you, they don't want to hear it. They might say something like, I'm tired hear you. I'm tired of hearing you talk about this thing. You've been talking about it for weeks. God is not like that. You can go to God with the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And he's not going to get tired of you talking about it because there are some things, there are some struggles that are just heavy and we need to really talk about what we're experiencing in the moment when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling frustrated. Talk to God about the struggle as often as you feel the need to or as often until it's no longer a struggle for you. Or until God shows you a way out. And that's another thing that he says he will do. If you're struggling with a certain temptation, he will always give you a way out when that temptation arises. The thing is, sometimes we don't always want to take it. 
sometimes that would mean not answering the call from the you know who because you know that that conversation might need lead to you know what you understand we might say to ourselves it's just a conversation man i can handle that but then a couple minutes down the line you find yourself doing the exact thing you just promised yourself that you weren't going to do and then here comes the shame here comes the guilt and then you feel like you're not making any headway in this particular area if you really want to get over that bad habit, if you really want to see the change, you have to listen to the instruction God is going to give. If he tells you, don't answer that text, don't answer that call, don't indulge in that conversation, don't tell this person this, don't say that, you have to bite your tongue and resist the urge to do the complete opposite. I find that we don't talk to God enough about a lot of things, a lot of personal things. We don't talk to him about our struggles. We don't talk to him about our desires. We don't talk to him about our wants because we've been conditioned to think that when we go to God with something or if we only think certain thoughts or have certain feelings, God is just going to come out from heaven and beat us with a stick over our head for having those thoughts or having those feelings. But God is not like that. Let me remind you, God is our father. And as our father, he is patiently waiting for us to come to him and talk about what's de- what we're dealing with, what, what's beating us up, what's hard for us to let go of or walk away from. He is waiting. He knows you want companionship. He knows you don't want to struggle anymore financially. He knows you want to be free of that bad habit or addiction. He knows you want to live a better life, but he's still waiting for you to come and talk to him, come and reason with him. He's waiting for you to come and be real with him. And that's one of the things that I like about Paul in the Bible. Paul was very straight up. Paul said in Romans 7, 15, he said, look, today I decide to do this. But then tomorrow I do something completely different. I do the thing I despise, the thing that I know I shouldn't. Paul was very honest in saying that. He knew the difference between right and wrong. He knew what he should and shouldn't be doing, but it was still a struggle for him. He was honest with himself and he was honest with God. And that is what God wants. He wants our honesty. If you're struggling with something, say so. If you want something, but the wrong way of getting it is tempting you, say so. I'll use myself. I want to be married. Yeah, I want companionship. And so the other day I was talking to God about it. I'll, I'd be lying if I told you that it wasn't a little strange at first talking to God about something so personal, I guess. And it felt a way, and I'm sure you'll feel a way when you start to talk, talk to God about certain things. So I can totally identify with that feeling. But as I got into the conversation and I started to let my God down and I started to open up more to God, the conversation went much more smoothly. And so I talk to him about the struggles that I'm dealing with during my single season. I talk to him about the kind of relationship that I hope to have in the future. And I'm doing all this while I'm, sit- while I'm sipping on some chamomile tea, right? I'm not going to come here and pretend like I'm better than you. I struggle with certain things too. And before I come and share certain things with you, trust that I too am doing my best to not just walk the walk, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. So when I encourage you to talk to God and be open and honest with him, I am practicing the same. 
So yeah, I talk to God about my desires. I talk to him about my fears and my insecurities. And I'll tell you, I felt so much better after that conversation. The temptations didn't disappear. But the more I talk to him, the more I'm reminded of the bigger picture. The more I'm reminded of how much I want to live, how much I don't want to live with guilt or shame for doing the wrong thing. And the more I talk to him, the more I can rest in the fact that I am talking to someone who isn't quietly judging me for the things that I'm saying and the things that I'm expressing and how I'm feeling in the moment. And I'm also talking to somebody that can actually help me. I'm sure you would agree that there are some struggles that we just cannot reveal to certain people because we know they're going to judge us. But God, God can be our diary. All your secrets, no matter how embarrassing they are, no matter how uncomfortable they might make you feel saying them out loud to him, all your secrets are safe with him. Another thing too is that it helps, it really helps to be equipped with the word of God when temptation arises. We can use the word of God about whatever we find ourselves struggling with to actually combat the whispers and the questions and the suggestions that the enemy is going to throw our way. That is what Jesus did. Yes, he too was tempted by the devil. But every time the devil tempted him, he responded by using the word of God. And you can check that out for yourself in Matthew 4, 11. But in the meantime, I'll share it with you. Matthew 4, 1 starts by saying, then Jesus, was, then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Can you imagine that? Further proving my point, Jesus knows what it felt like to be tempted. Chapter, verse 2 goes on to say, after he had gone without food, For 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. So you know he was in a weak state because he hadn't eaten for so long. So now, in comes the tempter. And yes, the Bible actually calls the devil the tempter. It says, and the tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus replied and says, it is written and forever ever remains written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of god then the devil took him into the holy city jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle the highest point of the temple and he said to him mockingly if you're the son of god throw yourself down he's telling god just dash yourself out of the building for it is written and he and here now the devil knows the bible So if you don't know your Bible, the devil can actually twist the scriptures in a way that makes you feel as though you're going to do the right thing when it's a setup to do the wrong thing and get you in serious problems. So the the devil actually said to God, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to serve you, protect you, watch over you, and they will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That was his response or further encouragement for God to jump off the building. And God said to him, on the other hand, boo-boo, it is written and forever remains written that you shall not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a much higher mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory and the splendor and the magnificence and the excellence of them and said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now tell me, 
if this man the bare face, you're telling Jesus, who created everything, that you can give him everything if he bowed down and worship you. What can go so? So now Jesus' response to him was, Go away, Satan, for it is written and forever remains written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And verse 11 finishes by saying, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and ministered to him, him being Jesus, bringing him food and serving him. From that, we can learn a lot from Jesus himself. When the enemy tempts us, not only should we talk to God about it, but we have to also equip ourselves with the word to be able to combat what the enemy throws our way. We have to find the scriptures that speak to our weakness and we have to bathe ourselves in it every single day. Go it over and over and over. We have to take it in. That way, when the enemy strikes, we can strike back. Notice, every time the enemy said something, God rebutted with scripture. God didn't try to use his own words and reason with him and tell him, oh, you know, I shouldn't do that. No, no. God rebutted with scripture. And that's the mistake that Eve made. Eve tried to reason with the devil from her own understanding. And he found a way to trick her still. In order for us to not find ourselves in a position where we're tricked, we have to know scripture too. And if you think the devil don't know Bible, I hope this story proves to you. He knows, he knows Bible too. So every time he throws a punch, you have to be ready and armed to throw one back. If you're always tempted to lie, you have to remind yourself, for example, that lying is an abomination unto the Lord. We all know that one from being kids because our parents used to use that on us all the time. That's, that one is one of their favorites. So if you find yourself in a position where you're constantly tempted to lie use scripture and then call on the wisdom of god ask god what is the best response to this question that i was just asked or you can ask him how do i handle this situation that i've been confronted with so that i don't continue the habit of lying my encouragement to you in saying all of this is to take the matter to god first always Try your best. I know it's not always going to be easy. I don't always get it right either. But we have to try our best to not entertain the one who's been labeled tempter and cunning and deceitful. The more we involve God and stand on his word is the better we'll be able to handle difficult and tempting situations. This brings me to the end of another session of Note to Self Diaries. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Izzo. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope today's session would have helped in some way in dealing with whatever temptations you may find yourself struggling with. If you haven't already, be sure to follow NTSD on Instagram at Note to Self Diaries and also follow the podcast on Facebook. You can just search Note to Self Diaries. You can listen to the replay of today's live on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Until our next session, guys, take care. <laughs>